Hello, my name is Harry Blylevin, and welcome to the Communication Technology Classroom at Hamilton District Christian High in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Welcome to Another Day in God's Story. We are thrilled to have you join the first ever inaugural the maiden episode of the Every Square Centimeter podcast. We want to use this podcast to celebrate and find inspiration in the amazing people, places, and practices in and around Christian education in Canada and have some fun while we do it. Our plan is to kick off our podcast with a modified opening circle. I think we're going to call it our opening square, but I'm still lobbying for the name trying to fit an opening circle into a square space or, or just go with the acronym Titafaosiasis. I don't know. <laughs> we love acronyms in education, um, so we'll we'll tr- we'll play around with that. Look, we're going to consistently start off by welcoming our group, which for some reason we've decided to name after a different animal group each episode. So today we're a nursery. Today, I'll provide a prompt or question to get to know our nursery better, and in the true spirit of an opening circle, we'll ensure everyone hears their name in a positive kind of way. We're going to refer to this part of our opening square as our name segment. All right, my name is Jeremy Horlings, Associate Executive Director of the Prairie Centre for Christian Education, or PCCE. And alongside me, the Director of Learning for the Society of Christian Schools in British Columbia, or SCSBC, Darren Speaksma. Hey, nursery. Hey. Hey, Darren. Our prompt today for our opening square is what are your top three emojis and maybe explain one of them. I would say the majority of my emojis head towards my family. So either to my wife or my kids. And uh, based on that, I know that I definitely have the laugh till you're crying emoji because I have kids. Um, and then I have hearts, a whole variety of different hearts selection that shows up but the one i go to the most because i'm lazy um, would be the thumbs up that's pretty much my response to anything that is average to above average to great everybody gets the thumbs up (laughs) a variety of hearts darren like different colors different sizes i don't know the android chat gives me options because i you once you start using hearts the algorithm just gives you all kinds of (laughs) options and i just just chucking them in there. It's like the cowbell. Yes. Need more hearts. Mm-hmm. And uh, from Eastern Canada, we have the Director of Learning of EDVANCE, also known as Advance, Justin Cook. Hey, Canada. Oh, oh Canada. Canada. Justin, <laughs> what are your top three emojis? All right. Well, maybe also because I'm a family man, three kids and a wife. uh, I also have the LOL laughing, crying emoji, face emoji. I'm not sure. what is it the LOL emoji? I think so. The crying, laughing one. Also thumbs up, Darren, two for two Mm -hmm. with you. But then uh, a little favorite of mine actually is this dude in a purple kind of suit. Uh, like a John Travolta dance icon. That's my favorite. So sometimes with our family group chat, I like bring out the dance party for the family with the John Travolta. Is that a conversation ender, Justin? Like a mic drop? 
Um, I think they just mostly ignore it <laughs> and keep right on talking around me. <laughs> I keep dancing. Love it. I was just trying to see the connection between that and sending messages to your wife. So I'm glad you cleared it up that it was <laughs> part of the family chat. Well, everyone's allowed to be at the dance party. Yeah. <laughs> And as we heard off the top, we are honored to be welcomed virtually into Hamilton District Christian High by Harry Blylevin. Harry, what are your top three emojis? Uh, thanks, Jeremy. Uh, my top emoji, uh, similar to Darren, the I got the thumbs up. Uh, it's just a quick and easy emoji. To It's kind of non-committal. Uh, it's just, I've acknowledged it. Uh, second would be the smiling face the, with both the big smiling teeth. Uh, that would just be just, I'm, I'm really excited about that. And my last one would be the, the thankful hands that are together. Cause usually I end up asking somebody for a favor and I just, that's a quick response just to, Hey, thank you. Or I'm just thankful for, for some stuff going on. So those are mine. For our listeners, Harry has been smiling with his teeth the entire time so far. He's just <laughs> over the top to be on this podcast. So <laughs> Thank you, Harry. Yeah, we're uh, thankful it's a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so my top three, according to my phone, that seems to keep an algorithm of your top choices, I have the thumbs up. So I think we are all in, in unison on the thumbs up. Must be a, I don't know, a dad emoji. And then I have a facepalm emoji, which I use quite regularly. I have four kids, uh, two boys, six and nine, two girls, 11, 13, and, uh, and my wife. And it seems that uh, my emojis often reflect our response to my wife. Either as something my boys have done uh, or something often I've done. And in that case, I usually send a grimacing face, which is just the teeth kind of like, oh boy, what have I done? As my, sen- my wife sends me a picture of something that's, you know, <laughs> I messed up and she's like, what are you doing here? And I send a grimacing face. So um, those are my top three emojis. Um, I think my most recent facepalm emoji is I would just took my kids out for a walk the other day. Nice summer day. We decided to take the Frisbees. Uh, and my six-year-old who likes to do things before he thinks about it threw a Frisbee and he's got a really good arm. He's the athlete of our family and <laughs> smoked me in the back of the head with the Frisbee. Uh, so hard that I definitely could not laugh it off and uh, definitely <laughs> just kind of kept walking. And I could hear my daughter in the background going kind of snickering, but, you know, just trying to be quiet enough with that I couldn't hear, but I could hear. And and I was about to get turn around and say, you know, that's anyway. So it was definitely not a thumbs up uh, a, a emoji. Um, this podcast Stitches. is... Yeah, no stitches, uh, check for blood multiple Darn. times. Yeah. I was hoping, you know, to match the pain to show my, you know, look, this is worthy of the pain I'm in, but no, nothing there. Um, this podcast, we, we want to be informative, you know, the important things in life we want to pass on. And so I, I do want to just quickly give you the top five emojis that used from 2014 to 2021. Can you guys guess maybe what those would be? Well, I, I'm just hoping because it would kind of redeem my view of humanity maybe a little bit if one of those was the dog poo emoji. Nice. Because I think that to me is going to make me smile every time. Every time I receive, receive a dog poo emoji, it actually makes me smile even if I'm you know, figuratively represented in that emoji. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> pile of poo emojis number two it actually i was watching a uh number two yeah exactly i was watching wow. this it's kind of appropriate <laughs> well mm. and in 2020 mm. it was number one uh, i was watching a time-lapse mm. video of the emojis <laughs> over time and it in 2020 it was number one thankfully though 2021 a little bit even more redeemed was passed by a crying laughing emoji so that's number one anyone want to take a shot at what three four five are it's got to be a smiling face in there somewhere no harry your smiling what about a, what face about a, is not in there what about a um smiling covid mask face uh, COVID mask face made a run in 2021. It's now in the top 10. It is not in the top five. So the last three, we got red heart, just a big red heart. One of the ones Darren would use maybe. Uh, then we have a smiling face with hard eyes. And the last one is a pleading face, which I've just learned recently. Uh, this is probably not a, a dad emoji, but this is one that apparently in TikTok, people will use it as like, innocent or i'm sweet uh so shout out to my sister kelsey who informed me on that one so there you go mm. top five emojis important stuff here right off the bat for the second half of our opening square we'll have our guests choose from a variety of segments that all rhyme with aim because educators really like two things acronyms as we've already acknowledged and we also love ourselves some rhyming so we've brainstormed and offered up a variety of segments for Harry to choose, like frame, acclaim, shame. And today, Harry has chosen my personal favorite. And I'm going to ask Justin, can you give me a drum roll? Uh, let's see. You ready? Yeah. Game. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's square off in our game game segment. See what I did there, guys? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Nice. All right, nice. so for the game segment today, we've chosen Would You Rather. And uh, what we'll do is provide two uh, opportunities or options for everyone to choose from. And Harry is going to be the final decider, the judge of who's got the right answer. So he'll provide his answer. And it doesn't really matter whether or not we have compelling information uh, or arguments, Harry is the final final say. So, first of all, would you rather be a substitute teacher in a high school computer pro programming class with Lego robotics, which is a mouthful for a class, or communication <laughs> technology class? And both of these are ones which Harry teaches us. So my question is, which one would you rather, I guess, maybe even sub for Harry in? Justin, why don't you start us off? All right, well, I... I used to teach at HD with Harry, and I taught the media class, which was kind of a, a close cousin of the communication tech class. But I was always kind of jealous because Harry got to do all the fun creative stuff, and I just taught the theory of media. So I'm going communication technology all the way. Darren. Well, first of all, I'd like to establish that this whole game is rigged. So if I lose, <laughs> um, this is rigged. And if I win, I should get double points because <laughs> I've overcome such a formidable challenge as they work together. But I'm going with the opposite because I don't even know what communication technology is and I can wrap my mind around Lego. So I'm thinking if I had to substitute, I'm going with high school computer programming with Lego because I feel like 
that's a situation where you're 100% sure the kids know more than you most of the time anyway. And so you just live into ignorance and they would get that and expect that out of you as a sub. Mm. And you could sit back, have coffee and get all excited about all the cool things they're doing. And they'd love it. So I'm going with computer programming. Yeah, I'm joining Darren in the Lego Robotics. Uh, I think same I'd, communication technology. I, I wouldn't really even know where to start. Uh, not to say that I know anything about Lego robotics, but I do have, my kids do play with Lego and, uh, we bought one of them. I think it's called like a, a me once or something like this little robot that went, you know, with our iPad, I think I could probably teach it based on, you know, that amount of experience. Harry, uh, what is the right answer? Uh, the right answer is either one of them for this question. Oh, uh, yeah. Everybody gets points. Wow. Um, and the reason either one of these would be the correct answer is, uh, the kids are going to be so engaged in what they're doing. Uh, working with their Lego robotics or working with graphic design and doing some video editing or audio recording. Um, and it's just kind of a fun class to see. And both of them are just uh, real hands-on kind of exciting classes to be in for me anyways. And I'm sure my subs hopefully feel the same thing. Right. Nice. You're still in it, Darren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah. And I'm one, like, it's probably the wise answer. I'm also wondering how much that has to do with the, uh, ensuring he has a job next year and not only half time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a wise, probably a wise choice. Harry. Right, so mm-hmm. the second one, so it's a tie three-way tie. Uh, would you rather, so let's picture this. You're an amazing race. Okay. And there comes a detour challenge, which means you have two choices. Um, would you rather solve a Rubik's cube to move on or free the mushroom princess from the evil Koopa in super Mario one. So play the old Nintendo, basically, you know, the whole game you got to complete, which one would you rather do in a detour challenge? Amazing race. Darren, why don't you start us off? I'm assuming as part of the detour, I wouldn't be able to pull the Rubik's cube apart and reassemble it. So (laughs) I have to go with freeing the mushroom princess because if all the only option was Rubik's, I'm taking the penalty Yeah, because I don't know how those things work. No. So I'm going with Mushroom Princess. Justin, what do you got? Well, I'm starting to break out in a cold sweat because I've never heard of the Mushroom Princess from the evil Koopa. But um, who wouldn't want to defeat the evil Koopa? (laughs) I'm taking Koopa down. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You could. Uh, You don't want to know the... uh, the rabbit trail I went down to get that information. Uh, basically the storyline of <laughs> super Mario one, I was fascinated by it by the time I was done. So, uh, it is just the, it's just basically passing super Mario one. Uh, to me, I'm also choosing the mushroom princess saving the mushroom. I, I would get a cold sweat from trying to solve a Rubik's cube on TV. Um, and I at least remember, I think I'd remember some of the hacks on super mario one to be able to skip some levels to be able to get to the end so i think i could do that quicker than a a rubik's cube harry what's the answer um considering i could have solved the rubik's cube about three or four times while you guys were deciding (laughs) which one to do uh, i would say solving a rubik's cube would be the uh, correct answer for this one Uh, oh harry You okay? Tell tell me more about that because uh, there is no way I could in the time. Are you serious about that? And and how did you get to that point? Totally serious. Um, holding a Rubik's cube in my hand right now. Uh, when I was twelve, so I go back, go back way back to eighty two. Um, my parents bought me the knockoff version of the Rubik's cube called the Magic Puzzle because uh, <laughs> no way was I getting a name brand of anything. Um, <laughs> 
started to learn to solve it, learned some strategies from, uh, from some friends, uh, was able to solve it in under a minute when I was in grade mm. six. Um, occasionally I can still do it that fast. Not as often though. Uh, Rubik's cubes are just kind of a fun thing. I got a collection of them. When my wife and I go garage sailing, uh, if ever I see a Rubik's cube, uh, I always have to uh, play with it, make sure I can solve it, make sure they haven't moved any of the pieces like Darren would have done, like taking it apart mm-hmm. or move stickers. Uh, and fun story at a garage sale once I, I picked it up and the guy's like, I'll give you 20 bucks if you can solve it. And, uh, my wife just kind of looked at him and said, you, you bet the wrong guy. <laughs> uh, I solved it. Uh, they hadn't taken it apart. So it worked well. And he looked at me and said, I'm sorry. And then, uh, <laughs> I just gave him a quarter for the Rubik's cube and he said, thank you. <laughs> so Rubik's cube is the right answer for that one. Uh, I, I recently saw a tweet where someone was, uh, making this massive mural with Rubik's cubes. Uh, so they were, you know, using a bunch of them, collecting a bunch of them and then creating a mural based on them. Have you ever dabbled in the art of Rubik's cube, Harry? Uh, I have not dabbled in the art of Rubik's cube, but I know some of the murals that you've seen, um, to tie into the previous question, I've had some students make a Lego robot that solves a Rubik's cube. Okay. Uh, and that was, uh, that was pretty amazing to see. Nice. So we would twist it and turn it and pick it up. And it wasn't as fast as I was cause it had to do a whole bunch of slight movements and very careful movements, but it took them, I think it took a couple of, about an hour for all the movements to, to happen from the solve It, it was amazing. That is very cool. That is cool. amazing. All right. So, uh, we went Rubik's cube, so nobody got a point. So it's still a three-way tie. Uh, <laughs> three-way tie. Yes. We are going yes. into the last question. Would you rather live on the mountain in Hamilton or live down the mountain, which is downtown. Oh. Justin, I hear you're groaning. You're up. This question's rigged. Oh man. I was I was pouting with Darren there at the beginning of the game, but now I, I see his uh his <laughs> rationale. I'm I can't win this, but I have to stick to my guns. I live downtown. I know where Harry lives, but downtown is where it's at. That's where the action is, baby. Darren compelling argument or are you you serving the perfect perfect reason to leave live on the mountain because you can go downtown when you need the action but you can also go up the quote-unquote mountain yeah to to um, enjoy life yeah we need to enjoy life on the mountain so i'm going with on the mountain i so justin uh we were there, I think, last year at some point, or maybe a year and a half ago, two years now. Uh, you took us to this wonderful restaurant in a basement. Uh, do you recall the name of it? I do. It's the Junction from the Matson & Co. We had a lovely dinner there, and I was in a rush because I had to catch up a flight. And for some reason, I was so committed to getting their dessert that I asked for it to go. And uh, I believe it was flambe, flambe brulee. And so they ended up giving it to me in a, not a to-go container, but in the actual glass container that you eat at the restaurant and just kind of said, look, buddy, like, here you go. Um, take it with you. You don't need it back. And to this day, I will pull that one out, especially for my uh, nachos and salsa. I'll put salsa in there at night for my evening nachos and salsa snack. And I think about that restaurant, it makes my mouth water still. So I'm going to go down the mountain, as I believe that one was down the mountain. Harry, what is the right answer? 
the right answer would be living on the mountain because uh, that is where I live. So I live just a little ways away from Justin, but again, I can I can peer down and, and look over him. Uh, yeah, but I would go downtown once in a while too for for some of the food and some of the restaurants that you guys have talked about. So because it's there's some incredible places down there. Little shout out to Maddie's Chicken uh, down the mountain, incredible, Maddie, awesome chicken. We can nice. use that. We're looking for sponsors. So could they sponsor the podcast? Uh, I've never met the guy. Okay. <laughs> but great right. chicken. Darren, congratulations. Uh, Harry, yeah. I guess Harry won officially. He got all three correct. But Darren, you got uh, two points. Congratulations. We're going to come up with some kind of uh, payoff when we lose these uh, over some time. But uh, after this break, oh. Justin will play the role of every square centimeter historian, giving us a glimpse into Hamilton's history. And we'll sp- spend some time getting to know Harry's teacher story. As we heard off the top, Harry teaches at Hamilton District Christian High in Ancaster, Ontario, Canada. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about Hamilton and maybe start by telling me why they call it phlegm brulee (laughs) in Hamilton? Only only for the Albertans do they call it phlegm brulee. (laughs) You learn something every day. Who knew? I I just wanted to clear that up, that it is a creme brulee, because I don't want... Uh, Matt's and, and co, um, you know, people coming in there for phlegm brulees. <laughs> so. um, Jeremy, nice. just for the record, um, no one's coming in to Matt's okay. and co for a phlegm brulee. <laughs> people come get, far and wide to Hamilton just to try the phlegm brulee. I don't get out much, so. <laughs> nice. But you do keep dessert dishes. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. Nice. Okay, guys, the city of Hamilton. First of all, I want to acknowledge uh, it's situated upon the traditional territories of the Erie, Neutral, Huron-Wendat, Haudenosaunee, and Mississaugas. The land is covered by the Dish with One Spoon Wampum Belt Covenant, which was an agreement between the Haudenosaunee and the Anishinaabek to share and care for the resources around the Great Lakes. The land is also covered by the Between the Lakes Purchase, 1792, between the Crown and the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation. Today, many indigenous people from across Turtle Island, an indigenous name for all of North America, call the city of Hamilton home. And in fact, uh, this is something close to Harry's heart. Uh, Just south of Hamilton, near the city of Caledonia, the town of Caledonia, is the Six Nations of the Grand River. It's the largest First Nations reserve in Canada. There's also an amazing First Nations museum in nearby Brantford called the Woodlands Cultural Center, built on the grounds of the Mohawk Institute Residential School, which kind of negatively was nicknamed the Mush Hole by its residences. Uh, sorry, it's by its residents for the brutal, brutal quality of the food. And the school closed 1970. Mm-hmm. That seems way too recent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like all regions of Canada, we have our own complicated history of First Nations and settlers in this region. Some other interesting facts about Hamilton. It's a lake town, as you guys know, uh, nestled among the Great Lakes on the western tip of Lake Ontario, somewhat in the shadow of Toronto. Hamilton likes to make sure people know it's not Toronto. By the way, guys, did you know the Great Lakes contain more than 20% of the world's surface freshwater? Mm. It's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Justin, Hamilton's Justin, a r- 
Yes. Uh, I should say that every city that I know uh, wants to make sure that everyone knows that they're not Toronto, but keep going. They're not Toronto. Yeah, not Toronto. Uh, that's going to be the the basic line of every podcast. It's uh, guys, we're not in Toronto till we till we get to Toronto. Till we're in Toronto, yeah. So it's a Rust Belt city, meaning that the steel industry actually collapsed here and then went to uh, other parts of the world, um, similar to like Rust Belt cities like uh, Cleveland or Pittsburgh. And as you also highlighted in our game, Hamilton's divided in half by the Niagara Escarpment that runs right through the middle of the city, east to west, dividing downtown from, as you know, the mountain. And by the way, guys, uh, that also means that Hamilton is the waterfall capital of the world, which is pretty awesome. And um, the Smithsonian Magazine counted them officially 156 waterfalls. Harry lives close to the Shadok Falls. Correct. Nice. Wow. As do I. And uh, so the Niagara Escarpment's best known for Niagara Falls. Uh, the Escarpment stretches all the way from Niagara Falls all the way up to Tobermory, 884 kilometers end to end. And uh, there's a trail that runs through the entire Escarpment called the Bruce Trail. So that's a little bit about Hamilton. Uh, Harry, you want to tell us a little bit about your school? Yeah, um, our, our high school, Hamilton District Christian High, uh, we've got about 460, 470 students right now, about um, about 50 staff members. We've been around for a long time, a little over 60 years, closer to 65 probably. Um, we're located kind of right on the border of, of Ancaster and Hamilton. So it's um, it's it's kind of in, in a spot where um, it, was a, it was a piece of land that was donated a number of years ago. Uh, for our school to be built. Um, this is our, I believe, our third location. Uh, we had other locations uh, years ago. Uh, we get kids uh, busing in from over an hour away. Uh, and I can't imagine that that bus mm-hmm. ride uh, every day. Uh, it's quite a quite a commitment by the kids and, and the families. Um, it's, uh, it's a school that Oh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, it, it really is. It's just a place that I love to be. Uh, kids are great. Community's great. Um, families and having parents involved has just been, been so good. Um, we, as a school have really moved towards a, a project-based, uh, pedagogy. And, uh, so you'll see some, some fascinating projects. We, we have a, a pretty good focus on technology, uh, and not just computer technology, but also, uh, the shops and uh, construction. So those are those are some things that we're, I think we're really proud of in, in terms of uh, having a, a real well-rounded focus. No, that's great. I uh, having had the uh, the privilege of visiting and seeing all the different action uh, going on there. Is there a spot at HD that you're like, this is my favorite spot? to be either with kids or on your own and, and a little bit of the story why it's become your favorite spot in the school. Yeah, for sure. Uh, room two sixteen. uh, room two sixteen is our communication tech room. Uh, if you walk in the door, uh, and turn immediately to the left, you'll see our green screen. Uh, and if you walk in the door and turn immediately to the right, you'll see our recording studio. Um, and throughout the room, you'll see, uh, all kinds of spots for kids to create, uh, work and with cameras and, uh, we have a, the, the, my favorite spot and using the green screen, we do a lot of video production. 
Um, and it's been really fun to, to get kids kind of in the idea of, of how do we actually create meaningful production. So uh, a few of the fun things a number of years ago would have been uh, hosting some volleyball championships uh, and streaming these live for kids and just uh, having having the kids just, they, they don't realize it at the time, but they're these, these kids are like almost professionals in terms of the work, the quality of work that they're producing and providing a service and blessing people throughout our province so they can see volleyball games or soccer games. To pick up on that, Harry, maybe tell us more about a, a certain student or group of students uh, from HD. Uh, can I tell a story about a class, a bunch of kids from a class a number of years ago? Um, Absolutely. It was a, a grade 12 computer science class. Um, and at the time, uh, it was only boys. Uh, one of the things I'm really trying to work towards and, uh, and, and how to just get a more diverse, uh, group of, of kids in my classes. Um, and these, uh, these were, these are good young men and they were so competitive though. Um, and right away, as soon as something came back, it was, what'd you get? Uh, and they just wanted to, to have to this, it was this competition about who got the higher mark. Uh, and I, I thought about it for a couple of days and it, it was playful, but, uh, we, we, I wanted them to learn, uh, and not, not to compete. Um, so we, we talked about it and they said, well, what we kind of came to the conclusion, what if we knew what our mark was going to be at the end of the semester already? Mm. Uh, so we, we started doing contracted marks. Um, and it was just a real fun way with this group to, to get them to collaborate and to work and, and not hoard their knowledge, uh, and their learning but to just kind of share it with each other and uh, they could turn to anybody and get help. And it, it wasn't going to cost them marks. All right. So I got I, I need a few more details. Yeah. So sure. I'm just imagining walking into your class and going, okay, so Mr. B, I, I need an A in this course, keep my GPA up. So I need a contract that says I'm getting an A. Yeah. Like, talk to me a little bit about how that played out. Sure. So we actually have a contract that we fill in. Um, and they, they agree uh, to abide by, by certain things. Um, and it could be working at a, at a consistent level. We, we, we have a conversation about the contract, uh, about why they want that mark, uh, about uh, historically, have they, have they worked at this level? So all of a sudden, if, if a kid wants to get 100, which is quite common, uh, I've got a bunch of kids shooting for that because they, they think that's what they want. And I say, I'll, I'll help you work towards it, but we kind of look at their history and, uh, is this a realistic grade for you? So we have a mm-hmm. great conversation about it. Um, and we actually, we sign a piece of paper and we, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, here's what, here's what I, as the teacher agree to do. Uh, I agree to give you timely feedback. I agree to give you uh, as good instruction as possible. And I, I ask them like, what do you need to be successful? Um, do you need, do you need a good calendar? Do you need a good, a good schedule? Do you need learning goals clearly laid out? Um, and we, we just get a, a really good conversation about what they need. Uh, and we, it's, we kind of follow up throughout the, the course too, about are we, are we both agreeing to our, our end of the contract? Harry, uh, you mentioned a few times, uh, kind of technology integration or tech classes, uh, curious about, uh, anything unique about your technology use, um, Yeah, I would, I would say, uh, the, the, probably the most unique thing is I am trying so hard to redeem the cell phone in education. Um, (laughs) 
it's uh, it's gotten such a bad rap uh, over the years about about its place and about people wanting to ban it. And some school boards have banned it and you can't have it showing or it's got to be in your locker. Um, so I would say the most unique thing about tech in my class is actually just using the tech that the kids have in their back pocket or in their, in their backpack. Um, the students will use it a lot to, to gather information and to gather their own learning. Uh, they'll, they'll use it to create portfolios. They, they take pictures and video of their work. So I, I do a, a Lego robotics uh, class where we teach programming and I, I don't have the time to go around during class to look at everybody's project work uh, in, when it's completed. So the kids will take a video of it. They'll put it up on their YouTube channel. Uh, we've got observation of their learning that I can just continue to, to use and, and then they can pull it back later on for their portfolio. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you describe that ideal learning experience when everything works out the way you want, what do we see? We see smiles. We see a lot of smiles. Um, we see kids calling each other by name. All right. And we hear that. Uh, one of the, one of the practices I'll do on the first couple of days is, uh, we'll have a, a little game and we're throwing a ball around and you just, you just have to say people's names. Um, I found out a number of years ago, even though they could have been in a class for years with the same kid, they don't know each other's names. And if you, if you want kids to, especially in a Comtech class where you need a team to do production, mm -hmm. uh, you, you've got to know each other. Um, so you'll, you'll see groups of kids talking together. You'll see some good organized chaos. Uh, you'll see, uh, kids doing things and redoing things. Um, uh, and, just the opportunity to, to make mistakes. Uh, you'll see, you'll see in progress work on the wall. You'll see finished work on the wall and you'll, you'll see good that you'll see work that isn't, isn't that good. Uh, and some of those, those failures. And I, Justin knows I can talk about one of my failures in a Comtech class and it, it was the most beautiful thing ever. The kids hated it, but it was <laughs> as a teacher, I'm just like, this is incredible. So tell uh, us we, the story, Harry. Tell us the story. Sure. Um, grade 10 communication tech class, we were doing a talk show, uh, in our school. It was going to be live. Uh, we wanted it to be live a little more high stakes. Um, so we had our, 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 our production crew who was doing all the camera work and, and all the switching. And, uh, we had kids making commercials. So their work was already done by the time of that. We had a sound board and we had our sound crew. We had our set crew. We had our, our on air personalities. Uh, and the first one was amazing. Uh, it, it worked out almost to the exact minute. Uh, the kids were so excited and so pumped. They'd all worked together. They were thankful for everybody's work. And then we knew we had a second one, uh, and they wanted to change a few things and no problem. I'm okay with change, but they didn't communicate, uh, with each other. They all thought they knew what they were doing. So all of a sudden the sound crew, um, doesn't have sound recording, uh, during one segment, but, but thankfully the camera crew forgot to turn the mics on the cameras off. So we, we picked up a bit of sound, uh, and then we just, then we have arguments kind of during our commercials, which kind of carry over because all of a sudden the mics are back on. Uh, we have a kid, we have one of our guests, uh, can I say F bomb? They, they drop an F bomb on the air. Uh, and it was, and it was, it was so awful, but we, I knew it wasn't the end. Uh, mm -hmm. so we knew we had two more talk shows to go and we knew that we could improve and they were so mad at each other. Uh, and, and it was, it was 
I had a big smile on my face coming back to the classroom. Cause I'm like, guys, this is going to be an incredible learning opportunity for us. And they just, they continued to, to work better. And they, they looked at what worked well the first time and what didn't work well the second time. And, uh, and then all of a sudden we had our, our last talk show at a, at a live celebration of learning. So I got kids going remote and, and cameras and wires everywhere. And it was, it was just really, really good. Love that story, Harry. Um, curious, what did you hope to change from your own schooling experience when you got into teaching? Yeah, I, there wasn't so many hopes to change at the time. Um, I think it's because I, I had so many things that I had seen that were good. Uh, I wanted to mimic a lot of those. Uh, so I, I wanted to be able to pull in the practices of, of Mr. Cicchini and, and using a circle. Uh, I wanted to pull in the gentleness of, of Mr. Skelding uh, and being able to, to have a conversation with the kid and in, 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 in kind of mentoring them a little bit. I wanted to be the Mrs. Armstrong who could have such a relationship with a kid that you could say, you know, this is in your best work. Let's start this one over. Um, and I think that was, that was really, really, really important for me. Um, and I, I think I, the one thing I guess, Jeremy, if there's one thing I wanted to change, it's I didn't want to limit kids in how they present their learning. Uh, and I didn't want to say, and as Darren's talked about it, if it was going to be a multiple choice test, well, I didn't, I didn't want to just have the multiple choice test. Like how, how can students show their learning? Cause we all know that we have different gifts and different ways that we can show what we know. Uh, and I just wanted to give students that opportunity to, to have some flexibility in, in, in how they, how they demonstrate their learning and, and kind of the their progress of, of learning. So you come into teaching, you have these great role models, you're excited, you have a vision, uh, probably even a hope of what this looks like. What struggles do you quickly realize or what struggles do you face uh, in the reality of teaching? Yeah, I think as a young teacher, time uh, is, of course, the big one. Um, I, I look back and I look now even at how we, we bring in young teachers and I, I wonder how we can really give them the support that they need. Uh, it's, it's just crazy busy. Um, I think another thing, and if I, if I could go back, uh, I would love to apologize to so many of my students, uh, and let them know that don't worry, I get better. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I get better. Like when your kids are going to be old enough to come here, I'll be, I'll be better. Um, <laughs> And it's, it's been really fun to see that. Uh, and I've, I've, I'm old enough that I've, I've had students, kids come to our school. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that, that's really important to me is that I, I just know that it's, uh, I, I appreciate the patience that they have, but yeah. Is that kind of, kind of what we're thinking? Yeah, that's good. I, um, you almost got a little bit wistful there. It sounded yeah. like, and I, I love that. Um, as we all sort of walk this journey of what does it mean to be a Christian educator? Um, and the faith families have, you know, to put their kids on a bus for an hour, uh, to come to the school. And, um, I think in my limited experience with HD, you know, there's reasons for that. And I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you see God at work, um, in your school. Um, in the lives of students, um, in your, in your colleagues, in your community. And, um, how, how is, how is that big picture part of the, part of the success of HD? 
Yeah, I, I, one of the things uh, as a school that we've we've really worked at um, is recognizing that that these kids are these are brothers and sisters, right? And these are image bearers in Christ, um, and trying to trying to help each kid find their part of the story, uh, and it's it may be a little part uh, in, a, in a really big story, but trying to help them understand um, what their what their gifts are. Try to help them understand um, their own relationship with God, uh, and, and for some of them, that we see them for four years at a high school. We we don't we just uh, they do a lot of the the seeding and the planting in the elementary schools. We get to to help them a little bit for a few years, and, and our hope is uh, hope is that we we give them some preparation that they can actually go off uh, into work or into post secondary studies. Um, but I think it's, it's knowing that, uh, each teacher too at our school, uh, will have a different relationship with a kid. And our, and our hope is that each kid knows somebody and is known by somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's how we, we try to stay connected and grounded in Christ and that everybody has a mentor that they can kind of, kind of be drawn towards. Harry, it's it's common for teachers to get tapped into leadership and then to move into some administrative role, like the principal path, right? Teacher to principal. But people might not realize you're an executive director of an academy that you believe teacher leadership can happen from the classroom. Can you tell us a little bit about the Christian Teacher Academy and and how you're you're helping to lead education from within your own classroom, let alone some other administrative position? Yeah, sure, Justin. The Christian Teachers Academy is uh, an academy or a learning center that is really grounded in, in project-based learning. Uh, and one of the things that, that we do, our, our main focus is we have a week-long professional development uh, opportunity for teachers to engage in in deeper learning. And uh, it's been around for about 10 years. And, and I think in those past 10 years, there's there's been a really big movement, uh, a big movement for deeper learning and not so much uh, project-based or problem-based or TFT. I think we're, we're all starting to just work into this, this idea of deeper Christian learning. Uh, and our, our hope is that we can use, our hope at the academy is that we use project-based learning as a way to help teachers provide opportunities for, for their kids to actually live out the school mission statement. Mm. Uh, I think it's so important that we, we practice the mission statement. Um, rather than just know about it. So if it's just recall, yes, I can, I can recall it. Um, it, it's, it's really not doing much. If we, if we want to give our students an opportunity or prepare them for, for a life of service, that's part of our mission statement. If we want to do that, we, we better give them opportunities to practice that. Uh, Mm -hmm. and so through the Academy and through some of the projects at our school, uh, we've, we've got students going out into communities and, and looking at need and addressing need and actually creating something for, for others uh, and, and helping out in their own communities and in their own school. And, and depending on, on how old the student is, uh, the world is, is much different in terms of size. Mm-hmm. Um, a PJ kid, the world is their classroom or their family. Mm-hmm. And a high school kid, uh, it, it could be going out into their community or, or doing something much bigger. Uh, it's, it's just kind of what we, the opportunity to actually prepare them for service. I have a, I have a rule that we're going to start off, uh, in this podcast, uh, whenever we hear an acronym that 
people don't know, we're just going to guess what it is. So PJ, uh, you know, pajamas, oh, yeah. uh, purple jelly. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Primary junior. Primary, perfect. Okay. We, we got that, uh, cross Canada language and every, every province has their own acronym. So, um, Harry, can you maybe so just let me, let me, let yeah, me explain some of them. So PBL, uh, project based learning, uh, TFT teaching for transformation. Um, uh, one of the, one of the BC ones that I, it took me a while to get was pro D. Yeah. Uh, so we would just call it PD here. So professional development. So beautiful. Those are some of the, some of the things that we're looking at. Harry, could you give me uh, just maybe one of your examples of, of one of these projects that you're talking about that maybe you've, um, been inspired by or that you've been part of? Uh, well, there's been, a, there's been a few, um, let me, uh, let me first of all, talk about, uh, a coach, uh, a friend and a colleague, uh, Kara Palmer. Uh, Kara Palmer is a, a primary teacher. Um, and I think right away they're, they're a special person from God, uh, working with primary, uh, and it's incredible. Um, she does these massive projects with her kids, uh, and she will get them tromping through bogs and tromping through the woods, uh, with, with experts, uh, and they're doing, uh, they're doing field studies and they're doing research as they do that. Uh, and she has them write, uh, and she has them draw and give each other feedback. Uh, and they they create books and they create calendars that, that they sell to, to help the, help the conservation authority raise money or to help another organization. Uh, and they're just trying to, to bless their community. Uh, and I, I'm really inspired by some of the work that, that she does. Uh, and how you can do it at that, at that age level, uh, and how you can have this, this deeper learning already there. Um, one of the, one of the ones that, that I've done, um, that I'm, I'm really proud of my students, uh, for the work that they did, uh, would be, we created a, we created a walking tour for a historical spot here in, uh, here in Southern Ontario. Uh, and it's, uh, the, the place, uh, Westfield heritage village doesn't have guided tours during the week. Uh, and they don't, they want to stay historically accurate. So they don't have any signs on the, on the property. Um, and again, as I said earlier, I'm trying to redeem the cell phone in education. So we found this app called tailblazer and it's based on GPS locations. And it's a lot like, uh, like Pokemon go. Uh, so you can take your phone and you can, you can go out and, um, we pin the locations and our students, as you walk through, you'll, you'll get a little ping, you'll get a picture. And one of our students will narrate about the, the building you're looking at. Uh, and it's just, uh, and it was amazing because it was one of those cold calls. Like I, I just called them. I said, I have this idea, mm -hmm. uh, wondering if you'd like to partner with us. And as soon as organizations here partner, they're like, okay, what do you need? Mm -hmm. well, actually, we, we don't need anything. We actually want to, want to see if, if you want this, we, we have an idea of something that we can make for you. Uh, and that's, that's one of the ones I'm, I'm probably most proud of. Cause I had a really great group of, of about, uh, 12 kids and, uh, it was a grade 12 class. And again, it was, it was a class that didn't know their names at the beginning of the year. Uh, and it was a class that was so close and so tight at the end of the year. Mm. Uh, it was, it was just amazing for them to have that opportunity to practice. How do we serve? Uh, this is, this is one way we could do it. Harry, uh, Thank you so much for sharing your story. One of the things we want to do with this podcast is celebrate teacher, teachers who are committed to try. 
they're not committed to perfection. I don't know how many generations you're going to get before you can continue to say, I hope I'm better for the next generation. But, uh, what I love, (laughs) what I love is that, uh, we have the opportunity to celebrate you, um, for who you are and, uh, for your role in God's story. And so we're going to finish off this with the last segment of celebrating that role. So one of the things we want to do is induct our guests into the esteemed every square centimeter celebration of learning gallery. Now, in order to do that, you're going to have to join us on our podcast. So Harry, thank you. You need to share your story, which we've appreciated. And at least one other person needs to think you are worthy of such an honor. And today we have found one person Duncan Todd, principal of Hamilton District Christian High. Justin, I think you have a letter from him. I do. Harry, this is what Duncan wants to celebrate about you. Harry is an incredible educator, professional, and person. He cares deeply about people, and because of that, he cares deeply about good teaching and learning. He models it. In his own classroom, learning is purposeful, meaningful to students, connecting what they do in the classroom to God's redemptive, restorative work in the world, serving our wider community, seeing a need or an opportunity to bless, and through it, becoming active participants in God's work. So yes, Harry exemplifies good teaching and learning, but he also coaches it. He loves helping colleagues become better, whether leading whole staff PD or spending time one-on-one with a colleague Gently, patiently helping them to understand and grow, he desires goodness for students and colleagues alike. Harry tears up when he sees others grow. In fact, he tears up when he just talks about others growing. That's his heart. From Duncan. Thank you. I can uh, I can hear Duncan's accent uh, as, <laughs> as it was read, and that's that's a lot of fun. Um, it's just, it's incredible. And we, we know this when we're in an environment in a learning environment and area where we're allowed to take risks and encouraged to take risks. Uh, a lot of goodness can come out of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's just a, it's a privilege to work with other educators that, uh, allow crazy ideas to, to, to happen and to grow and, uh, to be okay to not get it right the first time, just the same kind of thing we want for our kids too. Mm. So thank you uh, to Duncan for that. Well, and, and thank all you, my colleagues. Yeah, and thank you, Harry. It is also a privilege for us to have you on for our first episode and to call you a colleague in this Christian education, this uh, wonderful adventure. Uh, so thank you so much for hosting our nursery for this episode. Uh, can Is there ways others can get a hold of you if they want to touch base with you? Sure, they can reach me uh, at my email address, which is hblyleven, H-B-L-Y-L-E-V-E-N, at hdch.org. Uh, and once in a while, I, I do some some stuff on Twitter. So at hblyleven on Twitter would be a couple of ways they could reach me. Awesome. Listeners, we would love your involvement in our podcast as well. So email us at everysquarecentimeter at gmail.com. That's everysquarecentimeter, R-E, at gmail.com. Give us some opening square ideas, you know, a fun prompt, a question, a segment, a, a name for our opening square, but also send us your feedback. Tell us about an educator that we should celebrate. Pose a question you want us to discuss. 
And last of all, we would love more people to know about the amazing work that educators are doing. So please rate, review, and subscribe in whatever platform you use to listen and tell a friend or colleague about the podcast. Today, we referred to our group as a nursery. As I mentioned, we're going to change this up every time. I'm, And it's usually one I'm going to choose based on the region we're in. So any guesses as to what a, a nursery could be, an, you know, group of animals that a nursery would refer to? Darren, see you quizzically thinking about that. What do you think? It's probably wrong because... I get these sort of things wrong all the time, but I'm going with possum. Ooh. A group of possum. You're right. Yes. A nursery of possums. Okay. Justin? Well, we got a lot of deer in the area. Okay. Can I go deer? I'm going deer. Uh, do you have a certain, is it mule deer, white-tailed deer? Let's just wow, go deer. You know a lot more okay. about deer than I do. <laughs> <laughs> nursery of deer. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Harry, uh, what do you think? If it's uh, regional and it's around me in my front yard, there are a ton of chipmunks. Uh, so I'm going to go with chipmunks. Nursery of chipmunks. Nice. Okay. Well, I don't know if any of you are in, like, there could be more nurseries in terms of other animal names, but I do know that I was referring to a group of raccoons. Okay. So mm. apparently uh, raccoons are uh, quite uh, rampant in the area. We don't have many around here. Uh, Harry and, and Justin, any raccoons around your your place? There's usually one in my shed. Okay. Have you ever Honestly, been? Honestly, there's usually one in my shed. Have you ever been bit by a raccoon, Harry? I have not. Okay. Uh, well, there's a fair bit of rabid raccoons in our area. There was a couple of years ago, so thankfully, no. Well, that makes <laughs> sense because I'm about to tell you that they are the fourth most the the, the animal on the list of of biting hamiltonians is the raccoon fourth on the list can you guys tell me what the first one is what do you think the top animal pet dog dog, dog. dog. yeah yeah Se 800 nice. times a year what do you think second another pet garfield cat cat yeah okay so we got cat uh 400 bites annually uh, these are reported, okay? Uh, the website would like me to know that this could have happened more, but these are only reported. Uh, then we got one that's uh, definitely taken a hit in the popular vote lately uh, with, with COVID. Uh, what do you think the third one is? About 100, 200 bites a year in Hamilton. Flies. It's like a flying mouse. Oh, bat. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that's 100 to 200 bites a year and then we have raccoons 65 bites a year and i would love to give honorable mentions to skunks foxes and horses who also made the list about 12 times a year so um pretty important stuff here to end every one of our podcasts uh we're gonna end with a blessing and darren i believe you have one prepared for us today yes i do i um thought we should start with a traditional blessing coming out of number six um, so here it is, uh, to Harry, um, to our listeners, to Christian educators across the, across the country and around the world, uh, this blessing is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Stay encouraged, educators. Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. 
Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.